So tonight, um, I want to talk to you, um, but before I kind of really go into my message, I want to share kind of a word that I was getting for tonight, and it was acceleration, okay, acceleration. And the image that came to my mind uh, was shoots and ladders, okay? And so a part of our journey as humans, specifically though as followers of Jesus, is we have setbacks, we have disciplines and steps that we take, but then there's another category of movement for the Christian or the follower of Jesus, which is divine acceleration, which is in which God moves you at a speed and a level of growth that is beyond your character and beyond your discipline and beyond your good behavior. There are moments of acceleration when it comes to addictions, when it comes to behavior, when it comes to, like in a sense, being kind of like feeling like in the motions, whether it's depression or whether it's deep sin or whether it's doubt or whatever the, the, the category of movement that we want in our lives. There are movements in, in seasons and moments of divine acceleration. And I as we've prayed and prepared for specifically just this night and this message, I have a strong sense and a a belief, and our whole team at Access here believes that tonight is a night of acceleration. That it's a night that, you know, in shoots and ladders, you, you roll the dice and you go step by step, but then there are moments when you hit, like, number 28. Look at number 28 on the board. Where, like, you go from 28 to 84 in an instant, Right? And so there are seasons of life where it seems like we get set back. And we preach about that all the time as Christians. We're always like, you know, you know, your dry seasons, and we talk about the valley seasons, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death. We always try to equip you to endure those seasons, but we don't often teach about how to expect seasons, not to handle seasons of acceleration. And so tonight is teaching us and showing us through the life of Joseph how to live in this season, how to, how, to, how to navigate a season of acceleration. You guys ready for that? Yeah. And so the, the, the uh, title of my message uh, tonight is, My Story Isn't Finished. So everyone say that to me. Say, my story, my story. isn't finished. Okay, so I'm going to have you repeat, repeat that after me a few more times, okay? Like seven more times. Can you guys do that? And I want you to get a little bit more like, I want you to believe it, right? So you're going to say it at first, but then by the, by the last part, I want you to like truly think about the idea that my story isn't finished. That the status that I'm in right now is not the end status for where God's going to take me. So my story isn't finished. Ready? So tonight I'm talking to people who are depressed, battling panic attacks. Everyone say it with me. Say, my story isn't finished. Think about that. I'm talking to people who feel stuck, unmotivated, and feel deep regret and shame with the life they're currently living. Everyone say after me, my story isn't finished. You start believing it yet? You start to believe it yet? I'm talking to people with chronic illness, gut and food issues. Everyone say it with me, my story isn't finished. I'm talking to those who have been hurt by the church or confused by Christian leadership Say, my story isn't finished. finished. 
I'm talking to those of you who are not Christian in the room. Everyone say it, my story isn't finished. I'm talking to those who are moving in the right direction, but don't have direction. Say, my story isn't finished. finished. You guys believe it? So my story isn't finished. We're going to be going through uh, the life of Joseph. We're going to do a quick overview because I can't go deep, deep, deep into the story of Joseph. And then at the end of the night, we're going to have a time where you... I'm not, you're going to come, we're going to invite you back up to the front, we're going to have some worship go back, and it's going to be a time where you are going to be able to authentically um, express your faith in Jesus in the idea that my story isn't finished in whatever way that you need to. And at the end of this message, we're going to do that, and Jesus is going to meet you right where you're at, and he is going to give you peace, hope, and a next step in your life. I truly believe that, not because of my statement, but because of what we sang in that last song, that Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful in the midst of of every life circumstance. And so my story isn't finished, isn't a secular, like, self-help statement. It's not a mindset, a positive mindset, and it's not a motivational speech. It's not a secular idea, or at least how I'm going to talk about it. My story isn't finished, is the relational trust in the goodness of Jesus. It's the relational trust that Jesus is good enough to not let us stay where we are. He knows how to lead us better than we know how to lead ourselves. And ultimately, as we think about this idea, we read in Romans or Ephesians 3.20 that says this, Now to him who is able, speaking of God, to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. So God is able to do more in your life than you could ask, think, or imagine. He is able to do more inside of your situation and our situations than we could even dream according to what power? Not some outside power. It's actually by the power that's already at work in you. And so it's not outside coming in. There's actually the ingredients for breakthrough and acceleration are already inside of you. And what it takes is for a yielded heart in the right setting. It takes a yielded heart with the right awareness of God's presence. And he accelerates you. And he does more than you could ask, think, or imagine. Some of us are depressed, wanting to be free from depression. But God does not just want you free from depression. He wants you filled with joy to to heal, not to heal, to rescue those with depression. You see, our desiring relief is not a virtuous desire. And what we'll find through the life of Joseph is that God is desiring to to stir up the ingredients in the heart inside of us to actually live in the kingdom of Jesus, not just be a Christian. And so as we think about our lives, there's a statement that I love. It says, if it ain't good, then God ain't done. If, if, if your life isn't good or isn't what you expected it to be, then God isn't done. And the mindset of my my story isn't finished. The mindset is not just a phrase. It's actually a belief in your heart and the goodness of Jesus that should transcend every season of your life. And there are moments of acceleration where having this mindset is needed. 
We need to have a relational trust in Jesus in order to encounter or experience the acceleration because God is a relational God. So like I said, we're going to go through the story of Joseph. We're going to be in Genesis chapters 39, 40, and 41. I'm going to give an overview and then we'll kind of break it down piece by piece. And I'm believing that God and that Jesus is going to show his goodness to you in a way that will give you hope and give you the motivation or the desire and give you the faith to believe that Jesus might just do something in your life tonight to accelerate and move you in a, in a better direction. And so Joseph is a, is a person that's, that we read about in the Bible, and it's in Genesis 39. And Joseph uh, is, is, a, is one of 12 sons, and Joseph gets a dream from God that he's going to be a leader, basically, of his family. And he tells a dream that he had, he tells this dream that God gave him to his brothers. His brothers despised and hated that he, that he was the chosen one. His, uh, he was the chosen one, and so they actually sold him into slavery. So they sold him into slavery to, the, to a man named Potiphar, okay? They sold him into slavery to a man named Potiphar. And the thing about Joseph, even though he got sold into slavery, it said the favor of God was with him. And so he was with and in Potiphar's house acting and serving as a slave. And he was so good at what he did that he was placed in charge of everything that Potiphar owned. And there came a moment where Potiphar's wife got the hots for Joseph. So in, in, in the account... Potiphar's wife goes to Joseph and basically asks to have sex with him, and he says no. And then finally, after a few times, the, his wife comes to Joseph and, and like basically traps him in a room, is like, yo, have sex with me, and Joseph runs away. And maybe that isn't how it would be played out today. Like Potiphar's wife probably just would have DM'd him, or Potiphar's wife would have just, you know, like tried to do something else, but that was all she had. All she had was in person. And so Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph into having sex with him, and Joseph runs away. Joseph says a statement, really interesting. He says, how could I sin against God? So interesting that I feel like so many of our motivations would be, I would lose my job. But Joseph has a mindset that says, I don't want to sin against God. So Joseph... Um, Potiphar's wife was really embarrassed by this, and so she lied and falsely accuses Joseph of trying to rape her, and Joseph gets thrown into jail. That sucks. So Joseph's in jail, and while he's in jail, the favor of the Lord was with him. It says that God's kindness and mercy was with him, even in the midst of this jail sentence. And as he's, in the jail, as he's in the jail, there's some other guys that are in the jail, and Joseph interprets some dreams for these guys, and the, the interpretations or the prophecy comes to pass. And Joseph's in the jail for years and years. And then finally, one day after years in prison, Joseph is able to stand before the king because one of the guys that he interpreted the dream for was a servant of the pharaoh or the king, and he told the testimony of what Joseph did. And Joseph, in 24 hours, gets sent up to, uh, gets sent up to, the, to the Pharaoh or the king, and he interprets a dream for the Pharaoh. And the dream goes something like this. 
There's seven cows, right? <laughs> seven skinny cows, seven fat cows. Joseph, God gives Joseph the interpretation and prophesies that there's going to be seven years of, of abundance and there's going to be seven years of famine. The, the Pharaoh was so impressed by Joseph's wisdom and discernment that he placed Joseph second in charge of the entire country in the nation of Egypt. So within 24 hours, Joseph goes from the prison to the palace. In 24 hours, you see this acceleration? Within 24 hours, Joseph goes from being literally in feces-filled prison to being, in a sense, the vice president, second in charge of an entire nation. The prophecy comes to pass. There were seven years of famine and there were seven years of, or seven years of abundance and then seven years of famine. And because of Joseph's wisdom and Joseph's uh, connection with God, the entire nation of Egypt was saved from famine and starvation and the surrounding areas. And so we see the story, we see in the story of Joseph this idea that we should never say, my story is finished. We see this story of a man who goes from being in prison to a palace in 24 hours, and we see the prototype of a New Testament Christian or follower of Jesus, which is that God can do something in us in 24 hours that will blow our minds. He can accelerate our lives in a way that it'll make us proclaim to our friends, families, and world, only God. Only God. And so that's kind of the overview of, of the story of Joseph. Many of you who are familiar with that, you're like, well, you missed out. You, you missed out on so many details, and you're right, I did. But the point was to give an overview. And so th- as we kind of break, break this down a little bit, we have the part of the story where Potiphar goes to Potiphar's house. And he's a servant. When we think about the idea of my life, my, or, or my story isn't finished, we have to understand this concept that life happens. <laughs> Joseph did the right thing and yet suffered evil or corrupt consequences. Joseph did the right thing. He acted in integrity, yet he suffered. Life happens. When we think about my story isn't finished, we have to understand that life happens. This is what it says in um, Hebrews 8. Actually, I don't want to go there yet. Sorry. It says in Matthew 5, it says, For he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. That God, there is a common grace in the earth where there is good things that happen to good, pe- good people there are good things that happen to bad people. There are bad things that happen to bad people, and there are bad things that happen to good people. Do you guys follow that? <laughs> Basically, the essence is life happens to everyone. Life happens to the Christian. Life happens to the atheist. Life happens to the agnostic. Life happens to the Muslim. Life happens to us all. The story of the Christian and the follower of Jesus is that life will never happen and that you won't be in unfortunate circumstances. The story of the Christian is how we navigate those circumstances. And the beautiful thing about suffering is so many, not the beautiful, I mean, there is a beautiful aspect of suffering because there's refining in it, but the, an aspect of suffering that we don't often think about is that Jesus suffered. 
Jesus actually suffered. And he redefines what it means for humanity to suffer. It says in Hebrews 5, it says, Although he was a son, Jesus, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus suffered. That does not mean that God desires us to suffer, but it means that in Christ we find new meaning in suffering and in hardship. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Philippians 2 says this, Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to uh, a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself to death, even the death on the cross. I don't know why that got cut off. And then Hebrews 4 says this, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so the life of Jesus shows us that in hardship, when life happens, that we can have an approach that transcends our suffering or our circumstances. Jesus never let the suffering rattle him. There were times that the, the, the people were trying to kill him. He had just healed people, and then the people were trying to kill Jesus, right? The religious and political leaders all questioned his motives. He healed a man, and then people started, running, uh, started spreading rumors that he was a pawn of Satan, like Jesus. Like bad things were happening to Jesus, even though he only did good. And what we find is that in Jesus, hardship has meaning, because on the other side of hardship is hope that in the middle of our hardship, Jesus is present. And that my story is never finished. Whether it's depression, whether it's physical ailments, whether it's relational problems, whatever our circumstance is, my story is never finished. So as we endure hardship, as we endure addiction or tragedy or abuse, or we, as we endure these things that are unfortunate aspects of life, we have a God who is in the midst and who has suffered the same things that we are suffering, and yet he did not sin. And he suffered those things so that he would be with you in the middle of it and you would understand, and so that you could have a friend that you could lean on. You would not have a transcendent God in which who doesn't understand human weakness. You have a friend in Jesus who understands every human condition, and he says, trust me, trust me. He is not the heavenly God that sits in the clouds. He is the the man Jesus who came to earth. He is the man Jesus who suffered all, all of the weight of sin. He suffered and yet he rose from the dead and now he says to anyone who wants him, he says, I'll be in the suffering with you. And he says to all those who are suffering, your story isn't finished. Because even if you die in your suffering, you have hope of eternal life and eternal security. You have a life that goes beyond this life that Jesus secures with his death and his resurrection. Jesus shows us how to approach life <laughs> and tragedy. So everyone say, my story isn't finished. So we have this next part. I'm going to love this part. I'm going to get riled up here. You have the prison. You have the prison. He's in prison. Not a good place. <laughs> and yet it says this in Genesis 39. 
But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him what? Favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever what was done, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. You see, the trick of the devil is to tell you that you need to get out in order for God to love you. You need to get out in order to experience peace. You need to get out in order to experience hope. You need to get out in order for you to be loved. You need to get out of whatever situation you're in. That's the biggest lie of the enemy, you see, because in the prison, the favor of the Lord surrounds you. In the prison, I know it's not, that's like a good, it's a good preaching moment, but that's hard to go through. It's hard to go through and think that, but I tr- I'll tell you what. The favor of the Lord is around you. What do I mean by the favor of the Lord? That's a Christian term. <laughs> Some people don't understand it. The favor of the Lord is God's kindness, his undeserved kindness, his, 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 his love towards you. And the beautiful thing is that the gospel erases all lines. The gospel erases all lines, all barriers to God. We have full access to Jesus in every, in every situation. And so when we think about whatever situation we're in that we desire to get out of and that we want acceleration into a new season or relief from, the first trick to get out of the situation is to realize that you don't have to get out of the situation. The demand that the Christians put on God to take us out of our situation is the very thing that's keeping us from going out of our situation. Do you guys follow that? The very, the very idea or the very, how do I say it? I don't know how to say this. It's coming to me. Okay. The fact that we demand God to relieve us from pain and suffering and difficulty in order for us to authentically love him, proves that we have idols that have a priority over God. And so in order for God to relieve us from the season that we're in and move us into acceleration, we first have to come come to understand that you can be okay in prison. God has to show you that he's with you, which means that we have to open our eyes beyond the problems, beyond the difficulty, beyond the depression. We have to open our eyes to the reality that Jesus is with us. And once we realize he's with us, guess what else comes? His peace. You see, we're looking for peace, but you don't need to look for peace. You need to look and search and pray and glean and fast and search and be desperate to know and understand and believe that Jesus is with you. Because everything that you need for acceleration is in the person of Jesus. And so in the life of Joseph, we find that before we experience seasons of acceleration, we need to understand that Jesus is with us in the midst of suffering. So he's with you. Like right now, God's favor is with you. The gospel of Jesus Christ has erased the lines to God's blessings and his peace Towards you, you have full access to everything that God has ever wanted to give you. It's right there. This is what it says in Ephesians 2. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and 
raised, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So God, God has seated us with him in heavenly places. Whether we feel we are seated with heavenly places is not a matter of fact and is not, has nothing to do with this conversation. Whether you feel close to God has nothing to do with whether or not you are close to God. It has nothing to do with it. How close you are to God is a direct, has a, is a direct correlation between God's love for you in Christ Jesus and the fact that Jesus came to die on the cross and resurrected from the dead. How close we feel to God has nothing to do with how close God is to us. Now, if you're an unbeliever, (laughs) that is not true. If you're not a Christian, you do need, God is close. He is like, he's like closer than you think. But there's an act of faith that we need to, to partner with. So when we're in these, in these less than ideal circumstances, the favor of God is in, is in us. All of heaven has our back. We are empowered to represent Jesus in every circumstance. It says in John 4.4, 4, or 1 John 4.4, 4, For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Joseph's in prison, and yet the favor of the Lord is with him. Whether we're depressed, whether we're stuck, whether we are moving in the right direction, Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Greater is God, the God in you, than he who's in the world. This is just a great quote. Great quote that's so true. Jesus didn't just come to earth, die, and resurrect so that we could go to heaven. He came to get heaven inside of us. He didn't come so that we could just become Christians and go to heaven. Jesus came so that whether you were in prison or out of prison, Jesus came so that in every circumstance we could shine the light of Jesus. He came so that in every situation we could build a relationship, a new dynamic relationship with Christ that only comes by the grace of God. That only comes because Jesus is with us, not because we are with Jesus. You know what I mean? Like he's the one who reaches us in our darkest places. So Joseph is our prototype of a follower of Jesus. He's a picture of our status. He was in an unfavorable situation, yet God caused him to flourish. And so no matter what situation we are in, God's favor surrounds us. It means whatever situation we're in, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation, the power of God unto salvation, first to the Greek, then to the Jew, or first to the Jew, then to the Greek. This is us, is that no matter what situation, the gospel is at work in me to take me from death to life, to move me into a new creation. It is not about my situation. It is about Jesus being with me. My story isn't finished. And the beautiful thing about Christianity is that my story is never finished. (laughs) You can take my job, you can take my money, you can take my reputation, but I am eternally secure. In this idea of acceleration and my story isn't finished. This idea of movement to new seasons is not about me getting what I want. 
you got, I, I do not do this for like the high fives, the amens, the hand claps, the good job, Jake's. Like I do this because I see you and I see God's grace on you. And I cannot stand when people live beneath their means. I cannot stand, meaning, I, it's not that I can't stand you or like people who do this, but I cannot stand. I see, I, I see what God is doing and I know the potential of what God wants to do in people's lives. And I desperately desire for people to get out of their own heads. I desperately desire for people to get out of culture's head, to get out of culture's mind, to stop speaking the language of culture, and to start encountering Christ in a way that will move them out of the season they're in into the kingdom of heaven so they can flourish in any season, just like Joseph did. My story is never finished. You may be in the best season of your life right now. Your story isn't finished. God wants to do more in you than you could ask, think, or imagine. This isn't just for people who are lost or depressed. This is for people who are moving in the right direction. Your story, God wants to do way more than you think. Your story. I was, I was dreaming about this and preparing this message, and God reminded me of a, of a dream that I had of seeing the entire city of Granville like transformed, like marriages, divorce rate going down. He gave me a vision of just like, right, food going everywhere. He, he was just like, I have all these dreams and passions and I had lost that and God stirred that up like, Jake, my vision for you is way bigger than you think. Don't let the seasons of despair, the seasons of of, of lukewarmness, the seasons of, of atrophy where we feel like you're losing it, take your mind off of the fact that Jesus is right there with you. And in the moment, he can switch and change everything about your life. He can bring you right back where he needs you to be. And the fact is, we get stuck in the status of our current condition, whether good or bad, that we can often miss the potential of the next moment. So, so he st- uh, Joseph shows us, his life shows us that we have to be ready. We have to be looking for God. We have to be looking for that moment. We have to be looking for that breakthrough, looking for that acceleration. Because when those who look for it, it'll come. Not because of you, but because of the faithfulness of Jesus. I'm going to skip a little part because we're running a little bit low on time, but I want to bring us back to shoots and ladders and just say that Jesus is faithful to move you where you need to go. Wherever you're at in life right now, Jesus tonight wants to take you to a place of growth and acceleration. Okay? I don't want that for you. Like, God desperately wants this for you. And he is able to do way more than you think. So we talked about life happens. We talked about how to really just be content in those, those seasons. And if you caught that, if you're catching the, the heart that Jesus has for you, that his favor is with you right now, that God will move in your life tonight. The last part of Joseph's life that we, that we really want to zoom in on is the palace. Joseph is brought before Pharaoh, interprets his dream. He gains influence with Pharaoh and ends up being second in command in the course of 24 hours. He went from the prison to the palace with Jesus. 
anything can happen in 24 hours. Vision for your life. Healing from depression, healing from chronic illness. Because my story isn't finished. Anything can happen in the course of 24 hours with Jesus. The reason why it's so silly to lose hope in situation is because you know Jesus. Like, it's like silly to lose hope. I know that we do lose hope, but it's, it's, it's so silly because Jesus is the God. Like, he is hope. And my story isn't finished, isn't about getting a promotion. My story isn't finished. This idea or this truth is that the reason God wants you out of the current season and to grow and advance is because there are other people who God needs your, who, there are other people who need the God inside of you. There are other people in your life. Joseph was advanced and promoted, and he stopped the starvation of an entire nation and surrounding nations. So Joseph's promotion to the palace was not about him getting promoted. It was about the people being saved. Your advancement into your next season, into out of depression, is not about you. It's about the people around you. The acceleration that God wants to do inside of you is so much bigger than you. And this is the lie of our culture, is that my life is about me. No, it's not. It says that you were bought with a price, that your life is not your own, and that your life is hidden with Christ in God. It says that you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. The biggest lie about you, about our, that our culture tells us is that your life is about you. Your life is a gift from God. Your salvation is a gift from God. Everything that you have is a gift from God. And so our promotion, how silly would it be for us to spend it on ourselves? Your life, your freedom, your freedom from sin, your freedom from addiction, your freedom from, from trauma, your freedom from all of these things is not about you. It's because God has a destiny, a purpose, a plan for your life that only you can fulfill and he needs you to be free. He needs you to be free from sin. He needs you to be free from the love of money, the love of status, the love of reputation. He needs you to be free from all of that. Because he does not trust those who love the world. He does not trust those who love themselves because if you love the world, you're an enemy of God. Says it in James. He doesn't need you to have it figured out. He needs willing and open vessels. He doesn't need us to have the, the perfect amount of faith. He needs us to be available. Because your life, my life, the acceleration is never about us. It is never about me getting a promotion, more money, a relationship. It is not about beginning free. It is about me living the life that God see, saw before the creation of time so that I might become something that is worthy of the price that Jesus paid. So then God looks at me. He says, I trust that one. He doesn't love his own life unto death. He looks at me and says, there's something, he has the life of Jesus inside of me, and I'm going to spread my love and my kingdom everywhere I go through that willing vessel. And so my story isn't finished, is not about my desire to be free, but more so about the desire of God to touch people through the life that he designed you to live, which is full of freedom, full of peace, full of joy, full of surrender, full of generosity, and full of the life of Jesus. 
It is not about us just getting the promotion. This is not a prosperity gospel message. This is a message that, that, that should bring hope that no matter what situation we're in, Jesus is able to move you and accelerate you in a matter of 24 hours, not for your personal gain, but for the transformation of life that we might shine and be authentic expressions of the love and the person of Jesus in our work, in our family, and when no one's looking, to encounter Christ in a way that changes us from the inside out. Whoo! Man, I have a heavy heart. Gosh. I have a heavy heart for, for those that are in despair tonight. And I, I believe this night's for everyone because Jesus will meet us everywhere, everyone where they're at. But from about November to, maybe it was even earlier than that. Maybe it was October. Maybe it was September. I don't know. <laughs> from like September to April of this year, I've never been depressed in my life. I'd never been depressed. And I didn't even, I wasn't even describing or I wasn't even like claiming that I was depressed. But I was depressed from like September to April. It was terrible. I, I was just so unmotivated. I was so negative. I complained all the freaking time. And I knew, I knew I was, something was wrong. And so I, so I read my Bible more, and I prayed more, and I right, did all the things I knew how to do. And I was like, right, and I know freedom ministry, if you've been a part of that, so I was trying to heart map and like figure out what's the root of my right, depression or this just feelings of not being okay. And, and then I went to this like church event for like church for pastors. And I was sitting there, and I, I did not want to be there. I was like... This is the last thing I want to do. We're all, like, I guarantee you there are, like, 50 other people that are depressed. Why are we here faking it? You know what I mean? Like, we're all just faking it. What the heck? You know, I was just, like, I had that mentality. And then they did this, like, thing called the prophetic presbytery where they basically just walk in the room and they just ask God, what do you want to say to people? And, man, one of the pastors who was up there pointed me out. And, like, right when he pointed me out, like, I could just sense God was, like, he was like, yeah, this is, this is going. <laughs> like, you're done. <laughs> you're done. And literally, like, in the course of 30 seconds, like, the Holy Spirit, like, took me out of that place where he prophesied over me. And he didn't even talk about depression or despair or, like, any of these things. But yet, just the sheer fact that it was in that environment and God highlighted me in a crowd of 300 people was enough to break me. And the Holy Spirit, to the point where I literally, like it was such like, a, in a sense, like a deliverance, like a deliverance of a, like a heavy spirit that I literally like fell, I bent over and I started like yelling. It was like crazy. I was like, I was like in my own head, I'm like, man, I hope they don't think I have a demon. I don't have a demon, I promise, you know, like... <laughs> Like, I'm, like, crying, and, like, like, and I was just, like, so relieved, and I went home, and I was just crying, and I was just, like, and that, it was in that moment that I realized I was depressed because I felt so free that the only thing I could, like, I was, like, I feel so free that the only thing I could describe that as is depression and despair, and I share that story 
Because anything can happen in 24 hours. Anything can happen in a moment if we are in the right environment where the Spirit is present and moving and we yield ourselves. And even when we don't yield ourselves, a lot of times God is so good, he'll chase you down in the middle of a prison, show you that his favor's with you. Gosh. And this is the gospel. It's that my story isn't finished. Jesus shows this on the cross. Like if there were ever a time for God to be finished with humanity, it would have been when Jesus was on the cross. I want you to think about this. Like, imagine Jesus having this conversation. It's a reasonable conversation for Jesus to have. Imagine him going and he's hanging on the cross. And he's like, God, if they're not going to change by now, they're never going to change. I healed their sick. I healed their blind. You remember that lady who touched me and her blood was healed? God, I preached the best sermon that's ever been preached. And then they complained that they were hungry. God, if they're not going to change now, I don't know what you see in these people. I washed their feet and don't even get me started on these 12 yahoos that you gave me. They all left me. They're arguing, who's going to be the greatest? Jesus, God, I'm teaching them the kingdom. When are they ever going to get it? I'm done with these. I am done. I am done with these people. And here I am suffering, hanging on the cross for doing nothing wrong. God, if they're not going to get it by now, they're never going to get it. I'm done. See, you could never like, no, you know the story of Jesus is that he hung on the cross and he says what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because the essence of the gospel is that even in the midst of our darkest day, the goodness of Jesus says your story isn't finished. The essence of the gospel is that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him because he says, I don't care what prison you're in, I don't care what situation you're in, if you get a hold of the love that I have for you, everything can change. I don't care if you grew up in church, can recite the whole New Testament, and can share the gospel with 19 people. I don't care if you can do any of that. He says, the essence of the gospel is that your story is never finished. The essence of the gospel is that new life a life full of peace and purpose, a life full of direction, a life full of relationship with Christ is available to anyone. We don't have to come to church. We don't have to go to small group. We don't have to go to worship nights. We don't have to go to any of these things. The essence of the nature and the nature of the gospel is that no one's story is ever finished. And so there is eternal hope for every single person in that resurrection life, the power of God, the, the power of the very Spirit of God can resurrect any life, any situation, any despaired person, any depressed person, any broken person, any sick person. The only trick is trust Jesus. It's not a trick. Just trust Him. And He is faithful to accelerate us to places that we could never dream that we could be because he is that good. Remember, anything can, with Jesus, anything can happen in 24 hours. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we...